0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. I'm going to take you back right now. We're going to get in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to go all the way back to 1985. Now, I know what some of you out there listening are thinking. You're thinking to yourself, I wasn't even born in 1985. (laughs) To which I would say, you know, it's okay not to talk. It's really okay not to say anything. You don't have to gloat, okay? So you're young, and you're beautiful, and everything's awesome with you, and I'm old. I get it. That's what you're saying. I get it. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day, and all of our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to their dusty death, and death is stalking me out. Out, out, brief candle. My life is nearly ending. I get it. You're young. I'm old, but you don't have to gloat. You You don't. You don't have to gloat. You don't. You don't have to gloat, but Regardless of where you are on this, whether you were born in this millennia or not, I'm going to take you back in the Wayback Machine all the way back to 1985 and not just in any time machine. No, I'm going to take you back in the DeLorean because in July of 1985, one of the great movies of all time came out, Back to the Future. Featuring Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. This is one of the great films. It's perfectly constructed. It's elegantly conceived. Its plot's fantastic. I think the physics work out. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not a. I'm not a physicist. But regardless, it's an amazing film. And it has one of the great movie soundtracks of all time. Especially the opening song, which is this incredible song by Huey Lewis and the News. Bay Area locals. Huey Lewis and the News. The power of of love. One of the great movie songs of all time. Oh man, it just, just the opening chord, the opening power chords just get me pumped. This song still stands up. And I love the message of this song. Don't take money. It don't take fame. You don't need a credit card to ride this train. No, it's the power of love. Love's available for everyone, and it will change you. We're here to talk about love. We're talking about the greatest. This week, we start a brand new sermon series every fall, which uh, I will remind you used to mean September because school used to start back in September, but now it starts July 31st, apparently. I don't know when school started back the first week of August, but here we are. This is how we are. This is where we are in our world. Um, but school has started back, and so people are back in the swing of things. I guess that means that summer is over? Or summer vacation is over? I don't know. People are back to school. And so we are going to start and reboot our fall sermon series, which is kind of a vision series where we re-examine the three loves. Love God, love your neighbor, and love one another. We're going to look into that. And we're calling this sermon series The Greatest, because love is the greatest, and uh, we're here, and we're going to talk about that. And so I've got Steve Clifford in the studio. We're going to talk about what love means and what does it mean to love, and we're going to talk about definitions of love. It's a really great convo. And without further ado, Huey, take it away. Good. righty. So, first of all, I think it's hilarious. First of all, in the studio, Steve Clifford, I think it's hilarious. Steve, <laughs> Steve, you started with the goat conversation around football. Yeah. Because of course you did. And Jay centered it around basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I probably know a little bit more about basketball. And let me ask you a question. What I, I was thinking about this um, as you were talking, you're talking about the greatest players and everything, and it really is hard to compare players from different eras. What's the best team? You've ever seen? Like, if you had, like, a, if there was a historical tournament, like a, a, a playoffs of all time NFL teams, what's the best team you've ever seen in real life? Now, you, cause you go back a couple decades, you've been watching football for a long three time, or three
1: or four decades. You, you know, you know these teams. What's the best team? So I know this is going to sound completely biased, but it's the Cowboys of the early 90s. 92 Cowboys. But I would say, even long even longer than that. I mean they had they had Jimmy Johnson and won two Super Bowls and then they fire him which just shows you how big an ego that Jerry Jones has and they hire Barry Switzer who's never coached a pro team in his life from and, Nebraska, is that right? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I'm sorry. He wrong. coached he was a very successful yes, coach in Oklahoma. But he's he but he's like doesn't really coach. I mean, he basically <laughs> he just doesn't really coach. He said, "Hey, these guys know what they're doing. I'm just going to let them do their thing." And they still almost they've got beaten the NFC Championship game by the Niners and, and the 94. Niners won. And, yeah. They won and the then Super Bowl. And they came back yeah. and won another Super Bowl with yeah. Jimmy Johnson. It's possible with just given the the current personnel, they probably would have won four in a row. I think that's it's safe to say, even though the Niner fans could argue a little bit about that. Huh? Four in a row, four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, unheard of. It, Dynasty, So, Dynastic. In terms of the NFL, you have to kind of go by sport, but I would say sure. No, no. In no, terms I know. of the NFL, that's the that's the best team.
0: I, I made a list of three or four teams I think might be in the combo, and I put ninety two Cowboys. I'll have you know. Uh, the other one, uh, this was a just a, a, a wrecking ball of a defensive team, the eighty five Bears. Oh yeah, and then the yeah. eighty nine San Francisco Forty Nine ers. They scored more points. Absolutely. than they were just two thousand yard receivers. They had a thousand yard rusher in Roger Craig. Yep. They had a stellar defense, and then I put this. And this is this is controversial. I think this is controversial. I put the 2007 Patriots that did not win the Super Bowl but almost went undefeated. They got upset in the Super Bowl. That was that team seemed inevitable.
1: Yeah, it's it, that that the Giants won that game is still. It's like one
0: of the biggest upsets I've ever seen in sports. The big
1: miraculous win. Yeah, that's Catch incredible. The ball off your helmet. David Tyree. Luckiest thing ever. Okay, but I was glad they lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like upsets. You like the little I, man I winning. I do, and man, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you love that.
0: Okay, uh, let's let's pivot because there's also uh, you. you made, I don't know if Jay. Did, I don't think Jay did this. You made a reference to Huey Lewis in the news, the great philosopher <laughs> Huey Lewis. And I was thinking that's um, that's the title song. The power of love is one of the title songs to one of the best movies of the '80s. One of the best movies ever. Oh, yeah. Back to the Future. Great song. It's actually really deep if you listen to it. It's like really beautiful. about this.
1: Make a bad one good. Make the wrong one right. The power of love keeps you home at night. I right. mean, it, it changes well, your whole lifestyle.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, do you have a sense of who, what's the best love song of all time? Like, I, I, Or just your personal opinion. What What do you think are some of the best like songs about love of all time? Well, I,
1: everybody has their favorite. Of course they do. So I that's just wondered what, it, what yours are. Okay, so I Will by The Beatles. Who oh. knows how long I've loved you. Who knows how long I've loved you. You know I love you still. Um, that's great. Uh, James Taylor's... Uh, something in the Way She Moves. Something in the Way She Oof. Moves is also... That's a great one. There's something in the Way She Moves
0: looks my way or calls my name That seems to leave this troubled world behind right I thought you were going to go with Something by the Beatles because that's a great, iconic love song. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: I Will is a very... Sure. Uh, I yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, that there's there's a Huey Lewis' song. In I terms, love it. It's, yeah, it's his like a is a fast
0: one. I was thinking of Love Bouts. I thought for sure you would go with a song. I remember I first heard it like in probably middle school. It was on the Best of the Eagles, Best of My Love. Oh, 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 oh sweet
1: You get the best of my love. You get the best of my love. Oh,
0: it's 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 kind of a it's one of their lesser-known ballads, yeah. but I you, you, not so much, not so much. Okay,
1: yeah, I don't know why.
0: I just I just think it's a it's a it's Henley kind of it is. There's most,
1: a there's also Garth Brooks has a love song. Um, Thunder rolls,
0: right? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of the song right now, but it talks about how she's. Uh, I think it's called Fire and Ice.
0: Uh, uh, I know Sun what you mean. Rain, yeah, Fire
1: and Ice. A little Look crazy, crazy, but it's nice. nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's um, She's sun and rain. She's fire and ice. A little crazy, but it's nice. And when she gets mad, you best leave her alone. Anyway, um, I like that song. Yeah, For some good.
1: reason, those come to mind.
0: That's great. Okay, uh, let's get it. I, it's just fun. It's if you're
1: still tuned in Dude, to the I, podcast here, I tell you what. Why I love, are you still listening?
0: I love I, I love lists. I just love them. I love them to the end, and I love when people make lists. Okay, so here's what we are. We're we're t- we're in a fall vision series, basically. Yeah. And we've been doing this since as long as I've been here, and longer before that. Oh, you yeah. Remember, you oh four oh three. You used to call it anthem. Remember, yeah. used to call, yeah. every year call it anthem because you said we sing the same song. Yeah, this, this, uh, is, this is our, is our anthem. anthem. This is our song, and that, that and anthem, the chorus,
1: the words to the chorus of our anthem is "Love God, love, love your neighbor, love one another." Yeah, yeah, that's
0: yeah. that's that's the way it goes. And that that mantra is been repeated, and it's it's not going anywhere because it's it's foundational to what it means not that as we understand it to love God and love your neighbor and love one another is what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, that, that his ethic.
1: It's um, more than that. It's, yeah. it's, of course, more than that. And, and people, the more Bible you know, the more you'll chafe at me saying this is the essence of it. I'm not saying it's the, the totality of the Christian thought or Christian teaching, but it is the essence of Christianity. And it's hard to argue when Jesus says, here's the main thing. I mean, this is the most important deal. Right. Get this right and you get it. Miss this.
0: Well, some people, a, a lot of Christian theologians have said love is the highest ethic in the Christian philosophy
1: love as christ as As, christianity
0: defines it as christ defines it now so we'll get to that in a second because the word love can be mushy yeah uh, and there's it's filled with bad definitions now let's get to your definition because you put fourth one uh i'm gonna get some of these words wrong but it was something like um your definition of love was to will the best for another um and to des- a strong desire have, have to be a strong, connected, strong to them.
1: affection to connect with them.
0: So to connect, and then, uh, but I love what you said. You said to will the best for another, but then you caveated it. It's not just a desire; it um, it's it's action too. That you act, right. you actively work toward and desire. So it's both, because yes. the example you gave was funny. You said not funny. It's int- I, I thought it was it really made me think. For God so loved the world that He gave, gave right. So. Love is always an action. It's always going to cost yeah. you. Um, where did you come up with that definition? Cause I so, think it's really, it's actually great for parents. If you think about a spouse, a friend, it really is honing. Do I actively work toward for the best of this person? And do I actively do everything I can to try to connect with them as far as it is with me? Yeah. That's not a bad self definition in a, in a way to, it's uh, a
1: good answer. definition. It's simple enough to remember. And it's, it's profound enough to do a, thorough evaluation of how you're really expressing your love. So um, the first part of it, I got from Dallas Willard um, to Will the Good of Another. Um, The second part, and I'm not going to know the name of it. Sorry, the OG in me is not remembering. I still have all my verbs, but I'm forgetting my nouns. But um, I read a book that John Ortberg suggested to me. It was this big, thick book, on, and I didn't finish it. But in the first part of the book, she she agreed with the definition of, um, you know, to will the best of another. And then she added to it, and I couldn't argue my, I, I could, I've taught it's to will the good of another. And then I realized she's right in that it's not just that, it's to also have this strong affection to connect to. Yeah. Um, that you really fight for fuller, connection. Yeah, yeah, it's a fuller expression. Yeah.
0: Well, now, as I was thinking about this, the reason why it works is because it does seem to be centrally located in the very character of God and his actions toward humans. Think about how yes. he fights for connection with us Yes. to the point where he gives sheds his own blood so that there would be no barrier in between yes. us.
1: It also works for me because the commands to love one another they're not. They're not optional. I mean, they are in the imperative command, and it makes love doable. See, if you tell me I got to feel great about the person to love them, if it's a feeling, oh, I can't do that's that. Interesting. There are people that I don't like, right? But it's still a. It's still actually possible right. for me to love them, right? To will their best, yeah, and have strong connection, affection to connect with.
0: Yeah, that's good because if love is an
1: emotion or a feeling, that can that goes away. Yeah, or you're you're trying to manufacture it or something like that, and and somehow it becomes a work. C.S. Lewis put it one a a way that I thought was
0: really interesting. He said, I can no more remain, have the feeling of remaining in love with somebody any more than I I can be hungry all the time. Yeah. It just doesn't, it's just not the way it works. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's go to this. If that's a good definition of love, what have you seen as some bad definitions of love that maybe have hurt people or misled them or caused them to act ironically, Though they think they're being loving, to act in ways that are actually unloving. What are some bad definitions or aspects of love that you've well, seen?
1: Well, I, I think generally any love that is conditional, any love that is expressed as a conditional—in other words, you got to meet some requirements to get me to get me to love you. Oh man! So all of those—it's a performance-based relationship, and it—it's it, going to end up to failure. You're—you're you're never going to keep my standards for you. Yeah. You can't keep your standards for yourself, Um, and so I would say any any of the any of the definitions that are saying something about you got to look this way, you got to talk this way, you got you got to earn my favor. That that's a that's a tough road. Yeah, tough road. And for anybody that's out there that's in in that situation, um, God's love is never that way. God's love is fully extended to you with you having to earn one single ounce of it. And it can give you, it can also give you the strength to bear up under some of the conditional love relationships you might be in. Hmm.
0: That's good. There was one I was thinking of, just as you were talking about this definition, I was thinking, I was taking notes in the back, and I was thinking, uh, there's another one that's crept in that I think I fall victim to, uh, certainly when I was younger. I thought that early on in my, in my life that love or good friendship or truly loving somebody meant unconditionally accepting everything they did. Mm, and yeah. that's just, yeah. that's just not,
1: and that's gets thrown back in your face. That's why you thought that because yeah. people that you cared about did something that you knew was wrong, not only against what you believed, but even what, against what they believed. And then the, if you love me, you'd put up with it is basically, yeah. You know? yeah. And man, have I had, I have had, more than my fair share of marriage counseling appointments where basically typically the man but even in the woman too uh, you know if you really love me you you'd put up with this and well if I will the best for you, maybe that's that's to not put up with it right like if you spend money you don't have right and I care for you or drink too much or, or drink too much whatever it or, might be. Or, abandon the
0: kids or or whatever, whatever Whatever it might might be
1: be, for me to speak into that situation out of love means I really want the best for you. And this is actively working against what I know you want to be. Yeah. The person that I know you can be.
0: Well, we've talked about this too. And, and you didn't, you you had categories for it. I don't think you actually defined it, but it was basically something like you were saying, if you really love somebody, then anything that's destroying or hurting them, you set your face against it and hate it. Even if they don't even understand that it's doing them damage. Sure. Because that's what any mom who has had a kid that's in addiction, they hate the drug. They hate the addiction. They hate or whatever it might be. That's, that's probably the most extreme example.
1: No, but but it's very real. Yeah. I think that's very real in parenting relationships. It's easy to see, especially as your children get older. Yeah. Um, But it's true. It's absolutely true.
0: Okay. Let me ask you another question because, um, the definition of love that you gave is very relational. I can understand how to act it out in my day-to-day life with my kids, with my wife, with you, with with my friends, with my colleagues. How does that work, though, <laughs> upward to God? Like, how, how does it—I mean, I understand connection, to, to want connection with God. I, I can set aside time. I can prioritize the relationship, make him first. That makes a lot of sense. But the will, the good of God— like I can't will the good of God, nor can I work for the good of God. It or or I might think I can't do that. He's got everything he needs anyway. Whatever. What's what's the point? H- how does that translate upwards in terms of the first love that
1: we talk about, which is love God? Okay. Are there things in your life that bring God pleasure?
0: Yes. When I listen and obey, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm conforming to be the to be what He's designed me to be. When I'm the best image bearer, right? Yeah. Cut
1: out sin. Yeah. Take Him seriously. Listen and obey. So if you will the good, if you really want God to get good from your your best expression of who you are and the th- things that He's gifted you with, then as you do that, you actually cause pleasure in the heart of the Father. It's it, if we over spiritualize this, it, it's too difficult to grasp, but but just think of a father and a son. Uh, let's do that. or it could be a mother and a daughter or a father and daughter. what gender's not specific for this um, but when a father sees a son take information that the father has given him and apply it correctly to his life, it brings the father great pleasure, even though he, the father may not benefit from the actions of the son, but it brings him great pleasure. You Without this joy, it's difficult to parent because it's a beat down everywhere, everywhere else. So, when you see a child that you have invested your life and you would die for, make a choice that is consistent with the son or daughter you've raised them to be and the things that you hold as values, you can't get enough of that.
0: Or, put it's- another way, when you see your kid make a bad decision and they wake up and say, oh man, I messed up. I need to. Your word, repent. I need to change. I need to. And they wake up to that wisdom. There's inexhaustible patience and, and grace for that.
1: There is, but it's also sorrowful for him.
0: Yeah, yes, it is. But there's also a joy that oh, you got the lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah, like If I, you do, yeah, if you repent, you uh, we we can get through this. Yeah.
1: There's confess no, and repent. Confess and repent. Yeah. That's it. Confess is to name it, reality the same that God yeah. names it's it. It's saying, reality, you know? Yeah. I yeah. agree with God about what I did. <laughs> And then I repent from it. I turn from it. Yeah. It is the idea of turning away from it. Yeah. Um, when you do that, you always find a father who is running towards you with open arms. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. What has helped when you, when you talk about growing in love, because we're talking about growing in love, like, mm-hmm. you know, even Paul says this in this Corinthians and, and at the end of the service, you read this the the, the passage, which is often read at weddings. Interestingly right, enough, right? Why, why do they read First Corinthians in at weddings? Because it's a definition of God's love. Yeah, and and it's aspirational. It's
1: aspirational to be love is patient, love is caring. right, right? And, and they're looking at each other, going, "You better be patient with me." <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and we're not perfectly that, but I guess that's the idea that that's what that's what God is. That's the
1: expression of God's love and, and aspirational. I kind
0: of wish Paul would have said the way that God loves is it would have been a little bit, a little bit clear, but
1: yeah, I think there is though, this expectation that we, we try to model love because he begins with, man, if you can do all of these great things and it's first class condition, if you can, but you won't, you know, uh, I think that's called a first class condition. Uh, then, you know, it's, it's, it's worthless. it's worthless. It's meaningless. It's, yeah. It's meaningless. Yeah. All the things that we think, oh man, if I could just perform these kinds of things, or speak in this way, or do these kinds of miracles, that would be great. But if you, and it would be great if you did them with love. But if you did them without love, there's zip, zero, yeah, zilch, nada.
0: In terms of advice going forward, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. What if you, just, if somebody is like, okay, I'm supposed to grow in love. Like, what does that look like? Is there practical <laughs> steps? Like, are there, is there, uh, is there similarities, uh, uh, before we get into that, are there similarities between loving God, loving others, and loving one another? Is there a difference between those three in as the way you look at them, or the way that they're fleshed out? Are they all kind of the same? Mm. Are Do they stack in order, or are they interchangeable? Like, when you think about these three kind of pillars, that kind, they're like a, a tripod, right? Yeah, you yeah. can't, re- you would say, I think you would say, you can't remove any of those right they're they're non-removable they're non-optional aspects of what it means to follow jesus so like so that's what you would probably say Mm -hmm. um so are they united in some way are they different from when you think about them in your head do you think about them differently or
1: i think well they're united in the concept of love but i do think about them differently how do you think about them okay so for example and we'll talk about this in the coming, yeah, we coming weeks, but sure. how, I, how I express my love for God would be different than how I love my neighbor. I'm not going to worship my neighbor. Oh, sure, sure, right? sure. I mean, it's I know that sounds silly, but, right. but it's their... He's back, not going to be your most important they're relationship. They're vastly different. Sure, sure, um, sure. Um, my, and I, I, when I talk about neighbor, I talk about someone who is not a Christian. Not part of the church, not, big Different C. than me. They're not part of the big C church. And so I would also love my neighbor different than I would love one another. Talk about that. So I'm called in the New Testament to love um, those inside of the body of Christ differently than I love those that are outside the body of Christ. For example, Paul says we have no business judging the actions of those outside of the church. And yet we are called to judge those inside the church and call them to account because I'll call them to account because house rules. Da- it's, it's dad's yeah, rules. You've said you're in, well, this is how people yeah. that are in act, right? Those people who are outside of the church, you don't, you don't tell them, Hey dude, you got to. You can't, you, you can't swear. What are you doing? Swearing? You doing? You, yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I hope swearing is allowed. Cause I, some swearing is, allowed. Some swearing. <laughs> well, you and I talk about this. There's some swearing There's some that's off limits. I think there is, there I is, think. there is for sure. So, I even so, my love for God is vastly different than my love for humans, and then, although it's intrinsically tied to one another, because for this concept of a aspirational love that God has for me, but I would love a fellow Christian differently than I would love, like for. Let me just this. Let's just say real example. Real example. Uh, my, I would I would hold you to, and by loving you and caring for you, I might bring things to your attention that I would never bring to the attention of the man who lives across the street from me, Charlie. Right. Charlie has espoused no desire for a relationship with Christ. So the issue with Charlie and I is Christ. Have you embraced Christ or not? That's all I care about. I don't care about whether he smokes or drinks or, or whatever. I, all of those other, those other things are minuscule, but your relationship with Christ is paramount and how it flows out of you into yeah. your family and into your children. That's paramount. And I'm going to, I would, lovingly, hopefully kindly and gently and patiently, um, draw your attention to things where I see it's not coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, I really, it does feel, I was, it was interesting that you'd say that because that's a high standard. And I, by the way, I think we would both say that we are under a covenant before God and that if any of us violate any of this stuff, we got to have an honest and frank yeah, conversation. Yeah, and it's got
1: to be kind, I of mean, course. You know, it's but not... we
0: also can't just pretend. Right. Like if I'm lying all lying all over the place, or if I'm whatever it might be, um, breaking some sort of clear commandment in scripture. Yeah. Um, that I'm not
1: supposed to. Then,
0: hey, Dad's rules. These are Dad's rules. These are house rules. Yeah, and
1: that's that's key. What you just said, I think I just want to. It needs to be a clear command. I mean, sometimes we get all fired up about what the. Scriptures actually call disputable matters Romans 14 1.
0: Whether or not you listen to uh the eagles,
1: for right, example, there you go. I mean, or country western music in general. Yeah, well, you that would be say, a sin. That would be man. some people might think <laughs> that that's a sin, or having a glass of wine. Sure, there are certainly parts of the world and parts in different denominations who think a glass of wine with your meal would be wrong for you to, a, to participate. Yeah, I've been in, yeah, so I've I've it needs to be a and the church has spent way too much time on the minutia of life where there's actually great freedom in the Christian faith, and we've spent our whole time arguing about it. Instead, let's be real clear. If it says do not, it probably means don't, right? And if it says do, yeah. it means to do this. Yeah. And so let's lovingly hold each other to the clear commands and give grace and freedom for those areas where there is a disputable matter. Yeah, that's wise.
0: Uh, I like lo- it. Um, I think when we years and years ago, we were trying to. I was asking you, how do you define the difference between loving your neighbor and loving one another? Because it actually looks like the definition is the same. Will the good of another work actively for their good and desire connection with them? Yeah, it's actually not. It from a large definition, not entirely different. Agreed, for sure. But then there's this, and you said it's the difference between like, uh, you know, when you go to somebody else's house when you were a kid. And it was clear that they had different family rules. Like they were allowed to eat sugary cereals for breakfast, or they were allowed to watch that movie mm-hmm. that you were not allowed to watch, or they weren't allowed to watch that movie that you, or listen to that music. Yeah. or uh, It's it's different house rules. But when you're in your own house with your brothers and sisters, dad dad has the rules. Yeah. And their house rules. And we have a common dad. And we have a common dad, and he's got some rules that we're just not allowed to violate. Right. And and I think that for, uh, I was just reading an article in The Atlantic uh, about why church attendance is going down, mm. and it was really interesting because a guy named Jake Meadow, um, brilliant, brilliant article, and he said it's he 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 posits it's because uh, there's not a strong enough uh, demand made of Christians to live mm. uh, according to the actual Bible, which which me mean, which means understanding our Father, understanding His rules, and then helping each other live up to them. Up to them, yeah. Because some people are like, just let me do whatever I want to do,
1: but that's not really love well I and mean, it's not an option
0: right well yeah you and i would say it's not an optional part of it right. okay um so now i thought that was interesting it is uh final question for you okay. in this season right now where you are you've been you've been pre you've been basically banging this drum for 20 years mm-hmm. it's the same it's the same three it is um it's the same ideas your definitions might have been enhanced or um more precise but in essence it's the same thing. This season right now, as you are right now, what advice do you have or what things are you learning about God's love right now that are maybe new mm. and fresh cuz it does feel like every year we do this, I learn something, I grow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I So what are you learning this year about?
1: Well, about- I would say I have been I've been the primary mouthpiece for this for 20 years, but I didn't come up with it by myself. I mean, you know, there were people that influenced it. (laughs) Jesus was Jesus's teachings, but even, even Dana and others who were part of our staff, um, helped bring real clarity to it. Um, but I'll tell you the, the older I get, the more freedom there is. It's, it's quite amazing. The more freedom there is around action and the more struggle there is around conscience. So as I, as I get older, I realize I put all my emphasis on outward external things. And most of those things, now there's definitely some don'ts, some do nots, but most of those things, there's a quite a bit of freedom in. And then I paid, I didn't pay enough attention to the spirit of God's work inside of me, bringing things to my attention and, um, calling me to a life of confession and repentance over those things. And so the older I get, the more freedom I have externally um, in terms of how I interact with, I just, I feel like Christ is so much, it's, it's, it's going to shock all of us when we get up to heaven and find out how much fun we have. And it's, it's, it breaks Jesus's heart, I think, when we live through the struggle of this life that we're so we're so tied up to the all of these external expectations of what's going on, where in reality He's just asking us to be humble and kind, and to stand for justice and defend those who can't defend themselves, and to care and love. And then I think the other part is is that I I've poo pooed off and not paid enough attention to the inward work of the Spirit of God in my life and. I find myself more doing that, that the scriptures come alive in fresh ways and, and things and habits and ways of, like, I'm very, I'm a very judgmental person. Now, you, you wouldn't necessarily. Internally, internally. You're saying internally, yeah. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm so sophisticated and it never manifests itself very much, but I'm making judgments about people all the time, exter- about the, how they look. About what they wear, what they drive, who, how they talk. I mean, I, I, I'm. It's an, it's an ugly thing that some of the first things that, rather than see them as a child of God and see them as a brother and sister in Christ or, or a, a wonderful creation of, I, 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 I'm now paying more attention to that, um, more attention to the spirit bringing those things up rather than just pushing them off and saying yeah, but I can do the right things. It's not necessarily a good person doesn't just not steal. A good person doesn't want to steal. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of time making sure I don't steal, but I still wanted to, right? And I think more now, I'm not so worried about stealing. I mean, there's things in my life where I'm not going to do that. I want to work on not wanting to steal. I don't want your stuff. I want to be content with what God has given me. And I've just spent a lot of my life not content. Huh, that's really good. Well, it also reminds me of what we
0: just talked about. We'll talk about this more next week with the loving God. If it's true that this love definition is seeking connection and then willing the best and working for the best of another, uh, the connection part is priority. It's saying, God, your priority. But then what's interesting with that connection, like you said, it's like listening. Yeah. More time listening. And then if we, it's true, we really can bring God joy by listening and then conforming to his spirit and to the likeness of his son, trying to obey, doing his best. Then that means that that might be the most important thing that we do on this planet
1: because everything else is going to flow out of that. Yeah. I'm crazy about my grandchildren. Crazy about them. I love them to death. But if the only time they ever spoke to me is when they want something, uh, I would not enjoy my time with them. I mean, yeah, that would be rough, right? Yeah. And, I'm, that's what I want to do. I want to just I want to learn better how to just enjoy God's time rather than bring Him the list of things that I want Him to bless. Yeah. And uh, I, and it's I'm I'm ashamed to say that most of the time up to this point, or at least up until the last five or ten years, I've spent the majority of my time informing God about what's going on and then asking Him to bless the work of my hands and give me what I want. And I'd, I'd like to, I'd like what do you to, mean by informing God? Like, it's like, like, Hey God, I, you know, Joe's sick. Would you heal him? <laughs> like, He did not know Joe's sick. <laughs> like, you know, Robert, it, your dad yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is yeah. ill. I'm So I go you know, now he's got this and this situation and this and I like God, God doesn't need that information. I mean, he's completely aware of everything and more. So, but I spent, I've, but I'm trying to fill up some time. So I feel like I'm a godly dude. Right. So I'm trying to pray more than five minutes. So, I'm, I'm using all these information. Like I'm reading the newspaper to God, just letting him know what's going on. So I'm getting Lord, up. Lord. I just pray for the Ukrainian front against the, and <laughs> you know, the general is so and so and so and so and if he, you know, It's just like, that's funny. No, I think, I think a little more listening and a little less, uh, give me what I want. Yeah. It's okay to ask for what you want. Sure. I, my, my grandkids. Sure. Um, you know, last, uh, night before, no, no, last night. Is that right? Last night. Um, they wanted ice cream and so we went and got ice cream I mean, I, i'm thrilled to do that but if that's all they did was they only came over when they wanted ice cream you know it's like yeah. here go, here's $5 go get your own right so we, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's funny well we've got 3 weeks to unpack this we've got love god um love your neighbor and then love one another so we're going to go in the, that order that's the way it's traditionally said right that's mm-hmm. how you say it love god is there any reason why neighbor. it's that order Love one Oh, not. because Jesus says in the Shema, love God, love your neighbor. And then we add the third one, which is love one another from, from the John end, 13. from John 13. Yeah. Uh, I, I was like, I, I never figured out why it's in that. Order. Okay, whatever. There it's, you go. There it is. It's now I it is. see a discovery. It's in it. Okay. Well, thanks for being with us, Steve. Thanks for your time. You betcha, man. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Steve, again. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your schedule. Also, next week, we're going to continue on in our series, The Greatest, where we're talking about loving God. That's um, kind of the first one we're going to talk about. J. Kim will be by. We're going to talk about what that means and what that doesn't mean, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic conversation. So join us next week, and we'll see you soon.